Welcome to Brit David Podcast, as Pastor Tim brings us a message from Luke chapter 11, verse 4, entitled, The Pardon of Prayer. Is there a more beautiful thing than that of forgiveness? To be forgiven is an act of mercy and grace. It is unearned and undeserved. In his model prayer, Jesus prayed, and forgive us our sins. We need to pray prayers of confession, knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the pardon of prayer. Here's Pastor Tim. After spending, really investing our October Sunday nights for Ark in the Park workshop, which is beneficial. It's good for us to be able to work together and, and also accomplish the things that we really need to. But it did cause us to suspend our study on the Lord's Prayer, or what I think probably should be called the model prayer. Uh, you find it probably uh, more familiar in Matthew's version, but because we've been studying Luke in, on Sunday mornings, uh, we spent time going through Luke, as, uh, as he records that for us. So if you have your Bible, you're there in Luke chapter number 11. I want us to take some time tonight right here at the beginning and just kind of, I don't know, review really is not necessarily the right word, but, but let our minds and let our hearts get caught up in the passage to the point where we want to be today. So the body of the prayer begins in verse number two after Jesus says, when you pray, say this. And he begins by saying, our Father in heaven. We made mention that Jesus is beginning his prayer by acknowledging who he's talking to. And I think we should too. We're not just talking into the air. It's not wishful thinking. It's not the Norman Vincent Peale uh, positive thinking. It's not trying to get in touch with the universe or something along those lines. We are talking to the one true living God to our Father who is in heaven. That's who we want to address. By the way, let me go ahead and mention this to you. Is it, is it okay to pray to Jesus? Is it okay to pray to the Holy Spirit? Is it okay to pray to the Father? Obviously, Jesus prays to the Father, so we would say yes. I believe the Trinity is three, this is a terrible word, but three aspects of the one true living God. When I'm praying to the Father, I'm praying to God. When I'm praying to Jesus, I'm praying to God. When I'm praying to the Holy Spirit, I'm praying to God. It's okay. Is it okay then to pray to Mary? It's okay to pray to St. Jude to keep you safe on your trip? No. No. They can't do anything for you. They're not God. But as you pray, you can begin by acknowledging the one that you are talking to. You are our Father in heaven. In saying that, that we are His children. We have been born again into His family. We have been adopted into His family. We are twice family members, if you will. So He begins, our Father in heaven. He acknowledges the person of prayer was the way that we had put it then. He moves then to saying, hallowed be thy name. It's the praise of prayer. I, I, believe, that the, I believe that this prayer flows. 
If I can get in my mind that I'm talking to the one true living God, my, my mind is on Him, my focus is on Him, what am I really going to be thinking about with Him? I'm probably going to be thinking about, first about His attributes, who He is, all of those Omnis, you know, he is omnipresent, he is omniscient, he is, he is um, uh, uh, omnipotent, he is love, he is mercy, he is, he is all of those things, all of those that make up his attributes. If, if I'm consumed with him and being in his presence, I can't help then, I don't think, but let the very next thing out of my mouth be praise. Praising him for who he is. In fact, I think that there is great value in only going that far sometimes in your prayer life, in your your prayer day. Today, Lord, I'm not asking for anything. I'm not asking for one thing. I simply sit in your presence and absorb who you are, filled with your glory, and just simply begin to Praise Him and worship Him for who He is. I believe that the praise of prayer is important. I would mention this to you as well. When Jesus says us praying, hallowed be your name, it's not a statement or a declaration. It is a request. It's not as if He is saying, your name is hallowed. I mean, in, in some circumstances it is, in some circumstances it's not. What we're asking for is a request. We're saying, Lord, we want your name to be hallowed. We want your name to be praised. We want your name to be treated as special. And so we set it apart as holy. If I focus on him and I focus on his presence, I begin to flow then into praise for him then it leads me naturally then to this next phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done. If I have a sense of who God is, I know that I'm talking to Him, I know that I'm in His presence, I am am now praising Him for so many things, suddenly all of my wishes, everything on my agenda begins to dim or begins to shrink in its size. It's just not nearly as important, maybe, as it used to be. Sometimes you'll hear people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jesus, you know, fill in the blank. The reality is, is that we're probably not. Why? Because we're overwhelmed simply by who he is. And suddenly my agenda is not nearly as important as it was before he was a part of my life. So now I'm saying, Father, not my will be done. Not, here's my wish list and dump it on him. It's to be able to say, your kingdom come. Your will be done. You have authority over my life. It's the Father's authority over his children. You know, they're a part of weddings. There's an important wedding coming up, I think, next week sometime. You know, in a wedding, the father typically walks that bride down the aisle. And the preacher will say something along the words of, who gives this woman to be married to this man? 
And he'll say, I do. Or her mother and I, we do. You ever wonder why that question's asked? Why is it important for dad to walk his daughter down the aisle and to give her away in marriage? It's because she is under his authority. That young man may be the nicest young man that, there's, that, that has ever walked the face of the earth. But he didn't deserve that dad's daughter until dad says it's okay. I, I may have the greatest wish. I may have, the, I may have the best prayer list that's ever been assembled. It means nothing outside of the authority of God. What I'm acknowledging is, God, you have authority over me. You, you I mean, if you have a kingdom that is to come, what, is a, what, a, what does a kingdom have to have? A kingdom has to have a king. You can only have one. And it can't be you. I'm acknowledging he is the king over my life. I want his rule to reign in me and over me and through me. I want his authority to be the authority that I have. Think about this for a moment. Jesus in all of his perfection. Jesus being, not only we looked at a, we looked at a verse this morning that really began to emphasize his humanity. Remember we talked about that a little bit? Jesus was 100% human. But he's also 100% God. He's 100% divine. Why then couldn't Jesus just make up his own mind about what he wanted to do? Instead, Jesus said, I only do those things that I see the Father doing. He says, I have many things to say to you, but I only say those things that I hear from my Father. Why? Because it's under the Father's authority. That's the point and the position that you're trying to get to in prayer. Of acknowledging, God, I am not the king over my own life. I am not the captain of my own soul. You are the Lord of my life. You are the king of all kings. So I'm simply yielding myself at this point. When I've yielded myself, what I'm, what I'm really saying is, God, I want to know, I, I know what is the... Uh, the purpose of prayer. I want to walk through the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to, is to acknowledge His authority over me and allow Him to rule and to reign, to let His kingdom come and to let His will be done. Notice that all of that is before you get to verse number 3 when the first physical need, the first personal request is made. Give us day by day our daily bread. It's the provision of prayer. But it doesn't come until I've acknowledged the person and the presence of prayer. It doesn't come until I have praised Him for who He is and really genuinely worshipped Him. My prayer list doesn't come until I acknowledge, God, you have authority over me and I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. If these things on my list need to be marked out, then mark them out. I only want to do, I only want to say, I only want to be who you want me to be. 
And in so doing, I have needs. I have needs that I need provision for. And so we pray about those things that are basic, like give us day by day our daily bread. This is the point where intercession comes in, where supplication comes in, where other prayers come in. And I think that we should be just as specific as Jesus is here. I'm asking for bread. I'm asking for finances. I'm asking for a relationship. I'm asking for whatever it is that He prompts you in your heart to do. You know, sometimes when we pray, and especially when we pray about our needs or we pray about something specific, we'll add in the tagline, if it is your will. You've already spent time in His presence. You've acknowledged Him as who He is. When you're saying, your will be done, what one of the things that you're asking is, God, I want to know what that is. I believe as you spend time with Him, He shows you that. I believe that He will guide you. I think that He will guide you in His Word. The provision is there. It's time for me to get in touch with Him. All right, that's where we got to. So we were talking about physical needs, physical provision, if you will. Tonight we come to spiritual needs. And not just spiritual needs, but the deepest, greatest, most important need that there is for us spiritually. He begins in verse number four by saying this, and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. I would call this tonight the pardon of prayer. And there are two great spiritual needs that Jesus puts his finger on that you need to know about, that you need to be able to say, along with me as I'm doing this, I need this. All right, so here we go. Number one, I need forgiveness. I need Forgiveness because I am a sinner. Even in my salvation, I'm still prone to sin. My flesh always, always, always wants to sin. It always wants to move away from God. Despite, despite the fact that I know, I mean, I know it, that sin ruins everything, that there's nothing good that's going to happen from that. Still, my heart wants to lean towards that. And it will. I mean, before you even can blink, suddenly you're drawn into sinfulness that you weren't even expecting for that day. And sin separates me from God. Now listen, I know that I'm talking mainly to believers. So your positional righteousness before God you being made right with Him, you being justified by Him. That's already a settled issue. You've placed your faith in Him. You've repented of your sins. You know that you know that you belong to the Lord. His death, His burial, His resurrection is sufficient for all of your sins and they have been taken care of for forever. If you died right now, even if you didn't confess that last thing that you did, going in the presence of Jesus, right? I hope that you have confidence in that. 
But just because my relationship with Him is not broken, my fellowship with Him is broken. Sin always separates. It separates people. It separates purpose. It separates me from God. If I want that relationship with God, that fellowship with God to be restored, if I want the joy of my salvation to be rekindled, then I need forgiveness. So the desperate and yet necessary cry of our heart in prayer is forgive us our sins. It is the deepest, strongest need that you have in your life. The greatest need that you have in your life. Let me share with you just a few verses that I think will help shed light on what it means for God to forgive you. I want to give you four of them, okay? So number one, when God forgives me, He cleans my sin out. He cleans it out. God described how He feels about our sin when He said this in Isaiah chapter 43, and and I'm starting kind of in the end of verse number 24. He said, but you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. That's how God feels about your sin. Even as a believer, even as a person who has real genuine relationship with Him through Christ, He is wearied over our sinfulness. But the very next verse, right after he says that, right after he says, you have burdened me with your sins, you have wearied me with your iniquities, he says in the very next verse, I, even I, he could say, I, only I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. He blots it out. He cleanses it, that, that stain now that has come upon your life. You know, if, uh, if, if there's a stain that comes in your carpet or maybe a stain in your clothes, you, you don't take a rag and suddenly begin to, to rub it, do you? And that's what I always thought until I got married. And then I understood, I learned. You, you, don't, you don't rub it in because you're rubbing it in. Instead, you blot it. And he blots out our sin so that it is there no more. Let me show you this one thing about this verse before we move ahead. He says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Did you know that God doesn't forgive you just so you can go to heaven? He forgives you for his own sake because that's his own nature, because that's in his purpose. He wants a relationship with you that is pure and right. He does it for his own sake. All right, so number one, when God forgives me, he cleans my sin out. Number two, when God forgives me, he covers my sin up. Now, I don't mean covering it up in terms of let's just sweep it under the rug and maybe nobody will notice. 
No, the word atonement literally means to cover. He takes our sin and he covers it so that it's no longer seen. Let me give you this verse from Psalm number 85, verse number 2. The psalmist said, You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. All of it. All of it. You ever had a spill that's still in its liquid form? Maybe it's on something. You can take that paper towel or that towel and you can, you can, you're, you're trying to blot it. You're trying to get it there, but it just seems to seep out. It's too much. When I think about this, I think about back when our gym used to flood. You know, we were having such trouble. It seemed like every time we had a hard rain, that flooded. Now, I don't mean there was water on the floor. I mean flood. It would start in the kitchen and work its way out. So we always felt like the kitchen was okay because it's got tile. Gym floor is not going to be okay. I remember one day going down there and that water was coming into the kitchen was making its way out. It was taunting me, you know. <laughs> it's coming out and it's laughing the whole time. And I got one of them little big old squeegee things and I'm trying to push it. And the more I push, the farther it comes. I mean, it was a battle that could not be won. This is a battle that you cannot win, that you cannot cover up. But one that he can fully cover up. He says, he covers all their Sin. There's nothing. There's nothing outside of what God can forgive. There's nothing that you can do that slips under the covers. There's nothing that gets away from Him. When God forgives me, He cleans my sin out. He covers my sin up. Number three, He casts my sin away. Cast my sin away. The prophet Micah asked this question. He said, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? That's kind of that same idea of atonement, that same idea of covering up. And he says this, he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. Listen to this. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. As far as it goes, your sin's going down and it ain't coming back up. You know? Did you know that the lowest point in the ocean is deeper than the highest mountain? If you took, if you took uh, Mount Everest and pulled it out of Mount Everest, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you turn it upside down and you dunk it into that spot in the ocean, it's going all the way down and there's still miles and miles left to go. When he gets rid of your sin, he gets rid of it all the way. One of my Fisherman buddy said, said it this way, when he cast our sin, and he's talking about like casting a, casting a fishing pole, you know, when he cast our sin, he doesn't use cork because it bounces back up to the surface. He uses lead that goes all the way down to the bottom. When I think about this verse, and I think about our sins going down into the very depths of the sea. 
I also think about David writing, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. And you probably have heard before, you know why he said east and west and not north and south, right? You pick any point on the globe and you start going north. It's not going to be long, maybe, before you start going south. But you pick any, any point you want to on the globe and you start going west, young man, and you'll never go east. You can go and go and go. It is as infinite as God's mercy is. Let me give you a fourth one. When God forgives me, He cancels my sin out. He cancels my sin out. Prophet Jeremiah quoted God saying this. He said, For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Have you ever heard somebody say or use the phrase, forgive and forget? Usually when they use those phrases, they say things like, well, I can forgive, but I just can't forget. I would remind you from this passage that God doesn't forget either. He is omniscient. He knows all things. Nothing escapes Him. This verse doesn't say that He forgets. He says, I will remember no more. Forgetfulness is passive. This is active. This is intentional. This is on purpose. He says, I choose not to remember that on your account. What what we, (laughs) I mean, I, I don't know, maybe the best of us can choose to remember no more and have an easy time with that. I'm not, I'm not like that. I have a hard time with that, but God's not me, is He? So being forgiven is no small thing. I need it. I need it, and so I pray, Father, forgive us our sins. And I'm convinced that when I do, that He is faithful and just to forgive those sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim continues his message from Luke chapter 11, verse 4. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.